0: Okay, good morning. Um, this pe- past Pesach fell on Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, which meant that in Chutzlaretz we had the Tov on Friday, and so we had, a th- um, we had to make an Erev Shilin. Anytime Tov falls on Friday, you have to make an Erev shilin. So someone who lives here in the neighborhood um, did not make an Erev shilin and the reason he didn't make an Erev Shilin was because he was eating out all the meals at his mother-in-law's home. So what did he make an Eftar for? But then, on Friday afternoon um, he decided that actually he was going to go home for Shabbos and um, have Friday night meal at home. And so the question became, so now he didn't make an after Shilam, so what does he do? What can he do? On, what can't he do? And um, hopefully by the end of the class today we'll know the answer to that question which involves actually a number of points that have to be addressed. So. The what I would like to do is go through first of all just to, um, to go through a piece of the Gemara, Gemara in after mm-hmm. pace, introducing the concept of Eritashilin, and then go through the Al Sum in Tovkkuf which is the chapter that the the primary chapter that discusses Eritofil. There's also a little bit in Tovkuf Gimel, which we'll touch upon, and sort of go through briefly to go through the points that Al makes and as we go along to point out some things and then hopefully with the time remaining at the end. To go through some additional um, some additional <coughs> details. Again, a lot of practically relevant stuff. Okay. Um, so, the Gemara, the Mishnah says, it's a, the first Mishnah of the second pair of introduces the din that Yom Tiv Shecholis Be'er Shabbos, a Yom tif that falls on Friday. You're not allowed to cook anything on Yom Tov for Shabbos. Now, this is a rabbinic enactment, it's not a mitzvah de reise, it's a rabbinic enactment. Um, that you have to make an eivtashirin, and then the Gemara says Minah Where do we? What's the biblical source for the mitzvah of eivtashirin? Now, as I just said, it's a rabbinic commandment. So when we say mina we don't literally mean what is the biblical source for this, but it's something called an asmachta, which means that often Chazal will look for a scriptural reference, if you will, to um, underpin a rabbinic concept. And there could be various reasons of why Chazal do it. But we're going to connect this rabbinic mitzvah, this rabbinic institution. We're going to anchor it, so to speak, into a pasuk. So what's the relevant pasuk? Remember the Shabbos day to keep it holy. Oh yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Remember it when you are um, most likely to forget it. Um, Rava and Rava explain. My time. What's the reason? Um, Rav so Rava says, what's the reason for erev tashilin? And this reason for erev tashilin that Rav is about to provide also explains the connection between erev tashilin and the pasuk. Remember the Shabbos day to keep it holy, and that is that because you're all busy celebrating Yomtif on Friday, you are likely to forget about Shabbos and you'll forget to, to, to make plans for Shabbos, you'll forget to prepare food for Shabbos, because usually, f- what's Friday all about? Friday is all about preparing for Shabbos. But if Friday is Yom Tif and Friday is about celebrating today as a Yom Tif with meals and festivity, etc., so then you are likely to, f- to, 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 to f- it's, li- it's p- possible or likely for Shabbos to sort of get um, dropped by the wayside. And so we m- tell you, make an Eif Tav Shilin. What's the idea of Eif Tav Shilin? That you've already started cooking for Shabbos, before Yom Tiv, you're already, so it's already on your conscious mind that I have to, you know, I'm putting this dish away. I, 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 you know, in practice, we usually use a challah or a matzah and an egg, which we'll get to. But so you've already designated something for food for Shabbos. So you're already in the middle of the project, so to speak, of preparing for Shabbos. And so once you're already in the middle of the project, you're less likely to forget about it and to, for, to completely to. And that's what it means. Remember the Shabbos day, that on such a time when Friday is preoccupied with celebrating Yom Tiv, you were destined to forget Shabbos, so go and actively remember Shabbos by creating an Erev Tavshilin. Now, then the Gemara continues that actually there's also another reason for Erev Tavshilin. Um, Revashi says that Ravashi says that the reason for the Takona of Erev Tavshilin is to remind you that you're not usually allowed to cook from Yom Tif to the next day. Now we, a few weeks ago, I think before Pesach, we had a class about baking and cooking on Yom Tif, not nothing to do with Shabbos, when Yom Tif falls in the middle of the week. So here the concern is like this. Rashi is saying, you're not, if Yom Tif is on Tuesday, you're not allowed to cook for Wednesday. You're only allowed to do things on, to, on Yom Tov for that day. When Yom Tif falls on Friday, because you're not allowed to cook on Shabbos, so on a biblical level it would be permissible to cook for Shabbos. But our concern is that you may, if, you, if we allow you to cook on Friday for the purpose of Shabbos, then you may, next time, when Yom Tif falls on Tuesday, start cooking on Tuesday for the purpose of Wednesday. So therefore, we're concerned that in the future you're going to come to violate Yom Tif, So therefore, we institute the Eretz HaShilin and we say, no, you're not allowed to cook on Yom Tif for the for the following day, but if you have an erev tashilin, that means you're already in the middle of cooking for Shabbos. So then you're allowed to continue. But next time when Yom Tov falls on Tuesday, you'll know that you're not allowed to cook for Wednesday because you don't have an erev tashilin. Obviously, because it's not Friday. So that's the reason of Rav Ashi for the erev tashilin. And then the Gemara later on, after a few lines, brings actually another pasuk in the parashas B'Shalach that serves as a basis for the mitzvah of erev tashilin, and that is Eishasher toifu tashar tashar that you shall bake that which you bake and you should cook, that which you cook, but the Gemara understands it to mean that you should cook, bake because of something that you've already baked, in other words, the bread part of the Eiv Tavshilin, and you should cook something because of something that you've already cooked, namely the cook part of the Eiv tashilin. And it doesn't say this explicitly in the Gemara, however, some to point out that these two scriptural sources actually correspond parallel to the two reasons for Eiv Tavshilin. The reason according to Rava, is that we want to ensure that you, we want to protect the covet of Shabbos, that you're not going to forget to leave, to, to prepare proper food for Shabbos. And that's anchored in the Pasuk, remember the Shabbos day to keep it holy. And then Rav Ashi's concern is more about future Yom tevim, that in the future Yom tevim you shouldn't violate them by preparing for the next day. And that's anchored in this Pasuk, only cook if you've already started cooking, only bake if you've already started baking. But on a regular Yom Toivim that falls on Tuesday where you don't have that um, then you would not. Um, uh, which which <laughs> Okay. Now the Gemara doesn't explicitly um, say any practical difference between Rav and Ravashi, and uh, therefore also doesn't say who we pass can like. There are a number of different, a number of practical differences between the two. Um, I'll, first of all, before practical difference, I'm just going to s- say a very important conceptual point. The halacha is that if a person didn't make an Erev Tavshilin, then he's not allowed to cook on, for, for Shabbos. Yeah? Now, we'll discuss, hopefully we'll have some time to discuss, well, practically what to do if you didn't make an Erev Tavshilin. But that's the halacha. If you didn't cook for Shabbos, if you didn't make an Erev Tavshilin, you're not allowed to cook for Shabbos. So why? Why are you not allowed to cook for Shabbos? What, what does it help you to not cook for Shabbos? What are you accomplishing by not cooking anything for Shabbos if you didn't make an Erev Tavshilin?
1: It's <laughs> a design to
0: well, yeah. You're on something. Okay. Think about the two reasons that we just gave. Well,
1: one would be that if you if you did it for Shabbos, so then you might come the next time and do it for less lesson the next time you've gone oh. it. Or you might do so it in other
0: before. words, if somebody doesn't make an of Tashilin, so now we're going to tell him, don't cook for Shabbos, and he's going to go hungry on Shabbos. We'll see soon what the practical uh, um, solutions are, but at least in theory, he's going to be hungry on Shabbos. But what we've accomplished is that next time, when Yom Tov falls on Tuesday, he's going to keep Yom Tov properly, and he's not going to start cooking on Tuesday for Wednesday. So there's a, sort of, it's a consequence. We, in order to allow you to cook for Shabbos, we could only do that if we safeguard future mm-hmm. Yom and and you don't cook on Yom f- 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 for on for the next day. But if you go with the reason of Rava, that the reason is that we want to make sure that you're going to honor Shabbos properly. So what have you accomplished by not allowing him to cook if he doesn't have an Arab? You just ensure that he's not going to honor Shabbos properly. But according to Rava, the Pshat is that it's a class. We, we we want to make sure in other words, you didn't do what we told you to do, so we're gonna we're gonna give you a punishment. We're gonna give you a fine until you don't cook for Shabbos. And next time you'll make sure to do what we tell you to do. Right? Like for example, just another uh, Someone, it's not, they're not relevant to shvuris, but on sukkasembeisach, yeah? So you're not allowed to cut your nails on khalomerd. Why are you not allowed to cut your nails on khalomerd? Because we want to make sure that you're going to cut your nails before Yom and you'll come into Yom um looking resp- uh, dignified, right? So what, so if somebody forgot to cut his nails before Yom and he comes to you on Cholamoid, can I cut my nails? No. I Now it's going to be even worse, because now you're going to come into the last day's Yom with extra long nails. It's too bad. We're giving you a fine. You didn't do what we told you to do to cut your nails before Yom Now we're going to give you a fine and not let you cut your nails. And so next time Yom comes around, you'll jolly well remember that you should cut your nails before Yom So according to Rav, it's the same type of idea with Eir not actually accomplishing anything by not allowing him to cook for Shabbos without the of Tavshidin, but you've just sort of reinforced that you got to take what we tell you to do seriously, and if you don't listen, we're going to fine you.
1: Okay. Just one minute. what's the, the the other opinion, the first opinion <laughs> that we learned, that it's something to do with, with covered Shabbos? I, I'm not really sure how that works. Well,
0: that w- why b- is Because that you're he- likely to get carried away with celebrating Yom tif, there's a likelihood that you'll forget about Shabbos, to make sure to, prepare, to leave enough food for Shabbos, to take care of all your Utsrachim for Shabbos. And so we, by making the day of you're already, so to speak, in middle of the project of preparing for Shabbos. Um, Which is done before even Yontif. Yeah, but everything. you're already in middle of the project, so you're less likely to forget. Okay. Now, even though I've said, of course, that Erev Tashilin is a Mitzvah we see here there's two Asmachtas in the Pasuk. And there's also, it's interesting to note, that the Gemara in Yuma, where it says that Avraham kept the whole Torah before it was given, so you the, so the, the example the Gemara says is even Erev Tavshilin. So there's clearly something about Erev Tashilin which is very um, uh, fundamental. And it's interesting that for us in Chutzlar, it's also much more common than it is in, in Israel, because any time... Yom Tov is Thursday, Friday, Shabbos. For example, when when the Tisha Yom Tov fall on Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, we're only going to make an erev tashilin. We're going to make it three times, and as I showed, they only do it once for Rosh Hashanah. But Sukkot Sukkot Kastera, you don't make an erev Shilan. But it shows that uh, he kept also rabbinic law. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, even mitzvot Now, talking of the three day Yom Tov, so so on, when 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 Rosh Hashanah falls on Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, so in Chutzlaret we have three erev tashilins within the span of three weeks, right, um, and, uh, and uh, well, four weeks technically, and um, it can get a little bit stressful, there's so much going on, and it's Erev Yom Tov, and you're preparing your Lulav, and you're preparing your Sukkah, and you're scared you're going to forget about Erev Tav so the question is, can you make an Erev Tav before Rosh Hashanah, and then not eat it, just keep it there safe, and just leave it. Leave it for Rosh Hashanah, for Sukkot, for Soprash Torah, And like this, you, you've, you've gotten rid of this stress. Like, oh no, what if I forget Erev So, keep it in your refrigerator, you mean? Yeah, just keep it. You have a, a bread that has a shelf life of a few weeks, and you have a, yeah? Well, even now, we're making Erev Tav What if you still have your Erev left mm-hmm. from Pesach? Does it count? <coughs> so, the Paschum Sayyid Al-Tarabbi explains, that this depends on Rav and Ravashi, depending on which reason you go with. Depending, if you go with Ravashi. That we want to make sure that you're going to remember that you have some sort of hacker that you're not just Stamazari allowed to cook on Yom for the next day. So then it doesn't matter if I made it yesterday <coughs> or a month ago. But if, if the vote is to prepare for Shabbos actively, I need to be in the middle of preparing for Shabbos. So then it has to be made on Erev Yom Tov. And the Chat as you know, the Chat we pass in that you have to do it on Erev Shabbos. Um, which means that, indeed, in a year that Rosh Hashanah is on that, uh, on a Thursday, we do, in fact, make an Erev Tavshilin each time separately with its own bracha, etc. Now, if you did leave over your Erev Tavshilin, then you get into this problem of, um, you know, you can't say a bracha, because it's good enough, so you have to make sure to eat your Erev Tavshilin. And, in general, um, there's also the minhag, which the Rebbe brings, that at least the bread part of the Erev Tavshilin should be used as part of the Lecha Mishnah on Shabbos, <coughs> um, uh, you could even, it's even brought that you should use it in other you have two breads so you use it as the, as the second loaf on the Friday night and then you don't open it and you use it again on Shabbos day and then if you wash for Shalashudas you use it again for Shalashudas and the idea is once you've done one mitzvah with it to do as many mitzvahs as possible with, with it which is interesting because as we'll see soon really the main part of the Eft of Shilin is, the, 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 is is the cooked dish which is commonly an egg or something like that but, um, <coughs> but we don't find that there's a, p- a specific mitzvah to eat the egg or minag, whatever. whatever, whatever. the mice we do usually eat it, but uh, on Pesach I actually you put the egg in in, in the chalent. and um, but uh, okay. Famous As <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Alright. So no kidneys. No, just the egg of the shem. Now. Yeah. Alright. Now let's go through. Sa'ad Khan is the sort of the, uh, the, the <coughs> fundamentals of the sugya. Yeah? There are a number of other practical differences between Rav and Rav Ashi, which hopefully we'll touch upon as we go along. So first of all, as we discussed a few weeks ago in the Yom Tavshir, based on the Halachas and of Kimmel in Section 503 of Shulchan Aruch, the, the, the bottom line is like this. Number one, in general whenever a person would do something, any type of preparation, a Malacha. On, the, on a day of Tov for the following day, whether the following day is a weekday, the following day is Yom Tif, it doesn't make a difference. So, if there is a theoretical possibility of using it today, so then it's not forbidden on a biblical level. Even
1: far-fetched.
0: Even if it's very far-fetched. So, for example, um, if a person were to cook a huge dinner on Tov for the sake of his camping trip that he's going on tomorrow, mm-hmm. right? if he does it at the end of the day, where by the time the food is ready, Yom is going to be over, so there isn't even the theoretical possibility of using the food on Yom tif, then he has violated a biblical commandment, mm-hmm. a biblical prohibition of cooking on Yom for the next day. But if he does it earlier on in the day, even though he has absolutely zero intention of using it on Yom tif, because there's the theoretical possibility that he'll be suddenly crashed by a whole group of guests, and he'll need to serve them loads of food, and he'll have food for them, because there is that theoretical possibility, therefore it's not a biblical violation, it's only a rabbinic violation. Now, why is it important for us to know what is a rabbinic violation and what is rabbinic violation? It's all equally forbidden. So the main reason is because Eruv only is only, so to speak, the antidote, only counteracts the rabbinic prohibition. If something is biblically forbidden, you're not allowed to do it on Yom Tov for Shabbos, even if it's even with a native Tafshilin. So, in other words, what this means in practice is that when you're cooking food on Friday for Shabbos, that's on Yom Tov, you could only do it if you're making sure that the food is, uh, is fully cooked before Shabbos. So whereas on a regular Friday, you might put your chalent up on Friday afternoon and it cooks overnight, And as long as you have a blech or some sort of thing like that, uh, you know, in between the sheet of metal and the crockpot, whatever it is, that's fine. You can't do that on Yom Tif that that falls on Friday. On Yom Tif that falls on Friday, you have to put up your challenge early in the morning, or whatever, depending on the size of your flame, or whatever it is. But you have to put it up early enough that the challenge should be fully cooked and edible with enough time to eat it on Yom Tif, and that downgrades it from a biblical prohibition to a rabbinic prohibition and then you have the Eretz of Schilling kicks in and says, Okay, you're allowed to do this customary Shabbos. yes.
1: If you have a crackpot pot that runs on electric Yes. Then you don't have as much of a problem as if you have
0: a pot on gas. Even if it's on electric, you still need you can't can't put it, you can't uh, you can't leave the chalant in the crock pot. Um, without some sort of hecker like a sheet of silver foil or something, unless the chalent is fully cooked before Shabbos. It's nothing to do with Yom Tif and a regular Shabbos. In order to be able to leave something on a ho- s- source of heat over Shabbos, you either have to have a covering over the source of heat, like a sheet of foil, or it needs to be fully cooked before Shabbos. Okay, but we've discussed you know that in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, I don't, don't want to get confused. That's nothing to do with Yom Tif. That's, uh, it's, it, I don't want to confuse too much. Okay. So is
1: it like a secular... Uh, <coughs> and analogy to you know we're taking something down from a, a rabbinic from a biblical to a rabbinic is that like going from like a felony to a
0: misdemeanor?
1: Like <laughs> 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 you lose the, the whipping? Not, r- not <laughs> really. Not really, because the Torah, is,
0: the Torah, it says, tells us that you have to listen to the rabbi, rabbis, so it also remains on that level. There's no, on, in other words, from some, from one perspective, there's no difference. They're both equally prohibited. It's just that the rabbis who instituted it, they themselves mm-hmm. chose different parameters for certain th- things of how to implement it. You but know. they they wouldn't be able to do dispensations
1: for biblical law. That wouldn't make any sense, right? right? Of get, course not. Here's an exception, but like, we made the rules. We so, can make the exceptions. So which rabbi are you holding by then? Oh, the, of the, of the, Rav, the, Rav and Ravashi? Ravashi? Yeah.
0: Yeah. of the two that Yeah, so I think I I, I might have mentioned. It, it seems that there's a sikh of the rabbi about it. A, but I I, I think I heard him uh, discuss it. I, I believe the, I believe the bottom line is that we do both. In other words, we, whatever there's an afkuminah, at least like we try to go with both opinions. And you'll see soon, hopefully we'll see soon some practical relevance to it. Okay. Um, now, another very important rule is that Erev Tafshilin. Okay, two more things. First of all, Erev Tafshilin is not just for cooking. It's any preparation, even any preparation for Shabbos to Yom Tif, For sorry, from Yom Tif to the to Yom Tif is forbidden. For example, there's nothing forbidden, per se, about setting a table. You could, anytime start putting down a tablecloth and plates and things. But on a regular yom tif, you're not allowed, let's say, a two-day yom that falls on Tuesday and Wednesday. And if you want, you can't set the table for Wednesday night until it's night. You, ca- you can't go on Tuesday afternoon and set the table for the second night yom because because it's not a malacha. it's not a forbidden form of activity, but you're preparing on day one of yom tif, day two of yom tif, and that's not allowed. Erev Tavshilin would include that type of activity also, that once you have an Erev Tavshilin, you are allowed to do that. However, and this is the next point, the major caveat, which have emphasizes in a number of places, that Erev Tavshilin only works for food or meal-related activity. So you're allowed to set the table, you're allowed to wash the dishes, anything that's <coughs> helping you dine on Shabbos <coughs> is included in the in, in, in the mechanism, so to speak, of Erev Tav Shilin. But other forms of preparation, for example, the, one, the example al Rebbe gives is rolling the Sefer Torah to prepare it for the next day's Kriya, that would be forbidden, even if you do have an Erev Tav Shilin, and similarly other things like that. For example, if you don't use the Erev, so you're not allowed to carry on Yamta for the next day. So if you're carrying food, in other words, if you don't if if you don't use the Erev on a regular Shabbos, so then on Yom why are you allowed carrying on Yom Not because of the Erev, you're carrying, because you're allowed to carry on Yom But then it remains with the parameters of carrying on Yom which is you're allowed to carry for today. Or in the case of Yom falls on Friday, so you could carry food for the next day. But if you're w- going on Friday afternoon to visit your friend and you want to have a book to read over there, you can't. I mean, obviously, if you plan to read the book today, that's fine. But if you're only going to be reading the book on Shabbos, then you can't carry it on Friday for the purpose of Shabbos because that's not on the food related activity. And therefore, um, food, um, uh, the Eiruf doesn't help. So I yeah, should I add.
1: Drop it off before.
0: <laughs> right. I should add that other poiskim, based, I believe, primarily on Ereb Kiva Eger, are lenient, and they, at least, Meshachat would use, would rely that Erev um, Tashilin kicks in even for non-food-related preparation. However, so if you don't, so in, in non-chabad poiskim often... Um, uh, mm-hmm. evoke that uh, opinion, but in the Rebbe it's clear in a number of places that he doesn't accept that, and he go, says only food-related preparations. So Kiva
1: eger is the one that's matir in those
0: cases, uh, if I recall
1: correctly. Is there a bracha that like says that you know it's we're having an herb to Yes,
0: we're, we're going to talk all about that. You know what? If you don't mind, in the meantime, to pass me an annotated seder, I'd mm-hmm. appreciate it. The blue one. Okay. The blue one? So first, Al, Rebbe, now, now I'm moving to Tavko of in section 527 in the Rebbe Thank you, David. Um, I'm just going to go through the parts that I feel are the most relevant. So the Al Rebbe starts off in Sif Aleph by introducing the concept of Erev Tafshilin, which we've already done. Then in Sif Pais he brings the two reasons and says the... One second... Says the, the 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 difference between the two reasons that meaning that according to Ravashi, you, d- you could make the uh, erev in weeks in advance. According to um, Rava, you cannot. Okay, then he says, okay, how do you actually make an erev So first of all, we take a baked item and a cooked item. Now here perhaps is a good uh, time to mention another nafkemina, another difference between the opinion of Rava and Ravashi. What if a person has no intention whatsoever of doing any preparation on Yom Tov for Shabbos. Now, in practice, that's kind of theoretical. In other words, everybody's planning to do something because, first of all, you have to. Even if you're not, even if you're not cooking and baking, you might be warming up food, <coughs> right? In other words, right? Okay, but you might not be warming up food. That's say you're eating your meals out, right? You need to light candles. Lighting candles is you're lighting candles on Yom Tov for this Friday night meal, and even if you're not planning to light candles, you, you're probably going to be doing other preparations that are not melacha. Just preparing household uh, errands that you need to you, you know you to carry your food, whatever it is. So it's it's rare that somebody should actually not be planning to do any malacha whatsoever for on, any preparation on Friday for Shabbos. But at least in theory, there is this of What do you do if you if you're not planning to do? And in other words, like this, the question is like this. Do you do, does each we'll see it, we'll see soon that the responsibility of erev tashilin is on each household. So each individual household is responsible to make an erev So does that mean that every household has a positive obligation to make an erev regardless of your plans for Shabbos and Yom Tef? or is it if you're planning to do things, then you have to do an erev tashilin? Now some suggest that it depends. The reason for Evtev If you say the reason for Evtev Shilling is like Ravashi, that if we allow you to prepare on Reyamtiv for Shabbos, mm-hmm. so then you might end up next time when Yom Tov is on Tuesday preparing for Wednesday, so then you say, okay, good, I'm not planning to do anything, so I don't need it. But if the purpose is to make sure you don't forget about Shabbos, then it doesn't matter if you're not planning to do anything, there's still the chance that you might get too engrossed in celebrating Friday as Yom Tov and forget to leave over food for Shabbos, or whatever it is, make plans for Shabbos, or do things for Shabbos, there's still this chance that you might get too swept up in the Friday celebrations and forget about the Shabbos celebrations. So, what, so, so in practice, um, the, the, the accepted psaq is like this, is that first of all, the accepted Pesach is that if you're not planning to do anything for Shabbos, again, it's not so common mm-hmm. to actually be that way, but if you're not planning to do anything for Shabbos, that you should make an Erev Tavshilin without, A, you should make an Erev Tavshilin without a bracha, and we'll see soon what that means, but B, an even better idea is to change your mind, meaning you can go out of your way, and let's say, if you have a kettle, or whatever it is, to, let's say, heat up some water on Friday to be able to have a tea on Friday night. And that way, now you for sure need the Nerf In other words, do, it, for sure. like do, do it in a way that you actually do need the Nerf Tav shield. So that's sometimes a, a bit of a better solution. Um, now, Lemaisa, we all know that we take, what do we take for Neiv shilin, A cooked item and a baked item. Why do you take a cooked item and a baked item? We saw in the Gemara, because you could cook once you, You could cook when you have a cooked item, you could bake when you have a baked item. Now, nowadays, virtually nobody, like we discussed in the previous class on this topic, virtually nobody bakes on for Foshamus. We cook, we warm food up, but nobody, is. it's rare that people should be baking cakes or challah, whatever it is, on Yom Tovosh Shabbos, and yet, we still take a piece of bread for the Erev Shilin. So, that's kind of indicative of the fact that we're kind of leaning towards saying that Erev Tav Shilin is an objective mitzvah, regardless of what your plans are, you should make an Erev Tav because this is an t- institution of the Chachamim, that every household should make an Erev Tav Shilin. And everybody follow what I just said? Okay, now, then the Sif Kimmel Dalt goes into Ketam Yitzvah's Eiv Shilin, and here I'm going to explain to you something really important from the Siddur, and actually I think it would be beneficial if everybody follows along in the Siddur. So if you open the annotated Siddur to page 327. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to. There's this three paragraphs. That we, if you look in the Erev Tavshilin section over here, there's three paragraphs. I'm going to skip the first paragraph for now. We'll get back to it in a moment. The second paragraph is the Bracha. Baruch HaTorah, Shem, blessed are you God who, who sanctifies his commandments. But al omitsa right? That is the Bracha. So, if, I would ever tell, if you ever ask a rabbi, he tells you, to make an Erev Tavshilin without a Bracha, he means omit that, that line. Then you have the Bedenya Hishara. Bedenya Hishara is a paragraph in Aramaic, which is a declaration, which says that through this. Making Eftar shilin, we should be. You could look in English, you'll see. It should be permissible for us to bake, to cook, to, 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 to not put away is the wrong word over here. To, it's not a very good translation. Insulate, put away it means no. to insulate. Yeah, I should actually email the guy. Um, <laughs> you know the guy? Yeah, yeah. I email <laughs> him all the time. Um, um, to insulate. Um, and to, insulate, to put away a dish to preserve its heat. Okay, fine, to insulate, try. <laughs> to kindle a light, to light a candle, right? And to prepare and do all the festival needs for Shabbos, da da da. Okay, now, really, really important. This last paragraph is not a prayer. It's a declaration. It's kind of sort of a, a, a legal declaration that is only um, of any use if you understand what you're saying. And so that's the reason why it was originally um, written in Aramaic, because back in the day that was the language that most Jews understood best. When you're saying it, if you don't understand Aramaic, say it in English. It's not a prayer. Like, in, And when you talk about prayer, there's value. There's, there's, there's two sides of the coin. On the one hand, it's valuable to understand what you're saying. On the other hand, there's value to use the language which Chazal instituted. But when it comes to this type of thing, um, actually, with the time of the Omer now, we should also mention that it's important if you don't understand the Hebrew, you should say it in English. Today is X amount of days and weeks to the Omer. Now, Usually, if you're counting the Omer and Shul, the, you know what you're saying because the rabbi announced yesterday is whatever it is. So you know what you're saying. So even though you don't know exactly which word means which, maybe it's not the end of the world. But you, it, it's not a mitzvah of praying. It's a mitzvah of counting. It means uh, B'er counting is,
1: should be the
0: same. Yes, beer chametz is the same. We've discussed that in the past. The the declaration that you make to nullify the chametz, say it in a language I understand. And here also, b'deny Yehishar. Now, here's really, really important. In addition to understanding what you're saying, Bedenya Hishara is not a bracha. Bedenya Hishara, this paragraph, is a fundamental um, aspect of making the air Tafshilin. And therefore, if a rabbi ever tells you make an of Tafshilin without a bracha, you must still say this paragraph of Bedenya Hishara. It just means the bracha, Hashem, you don't say. But Bedenya Hishara is an integral part of the mitzvah of Eir Tafshilin. Why would
1: you make the
0: there are certain cases, like I mentioned before, if a person's not planning to do anything, and there's other cases which uh-huh. may, we may or may not have time to so touch. So if
1: you're making a bracha uh-huh. but you're
0: not planning to do anything, isn't that a barakah a so, so So again, that, that depends. It could be that according to Ravi, you have to make one, even if you're not planning to do anything. Right. And therefore would say make an error without a bracha to be choshish to the opinion of Ravashi. So that's one of the occasions where you might begin into into that type of idea. Um, now... Um, Okay, we can put the Siddur aside for now. We're going to get back to this in a moment. Um, okay, then Sifch Zayin is all about if you have to include other things that you're planning to do on Yomtev within the Deni Hishara text, which is not so usually so relevant. In practice, Sifchas is about that you have to do it. You have to do Eirutav Shilin um, early, you know, sorry, you have to cook the food early so that it should be fully ready before Shabbos, and Al-Tareb actually adds that, the, and the, 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 he says this is why there's the practice that when Tov falls on Friday night, we daven, everybody davens early. Now, today, in, at least in Chabad, that's not the practice. We don't daven early on Friday night. But why was that the practice? Because people didn't know that you have to make all the food ready early. So, but like this, if they know that, uh, oh, it's ready Shabbos, we're davening early tonight. So then, that will remind everybody to actually make sure, that will ensure that everybody's going to um, make the Eif Okay, see so if Tess and Yudas, if you forget to make the Eif Tavshilin last minute when you could tell, what's the latest time you could do it till, we'll leave that. Um, is which type of foods you could use. Now it's interesting. La we are that any type of cooked dish is good enough, and in practice, we actually use the egg. In the Alter Rebbe's which is usually more the way we actually practice it, um, the Alter Rebbe says to use a Tavshil chashuv, a more prominent, like a piece of fish or meat or something. But for some reason, in practice, that's not what we do. We just use a hard-boiled egg. But oh, you could do it. Sorry. You could do it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Um, now, oh, now we come to the concept of Godel Eir. Godel let uh, would loosely, loosely translate as the rabbi, so the rabbi is going to make an Eftaf Shilin on everybody's behalf, and the point is that if somebody forgot to make an Eftaf Shilin, so then, and Tim, this, uh, Timothy, this is touching on what you're talking about, um, if somebody forgot to make an Eftaf Shilin, then he should be allowed to cook because the rabbi included him in his aid. Now here, please everybody pay close attention, because um, even though they say that if ignorance were bliss, there would be many more happy people, um, (laughs) but um, in this case, actually, ignorance is bliss, and that is, and and you'll see in a moment what I mean. But first, let's let's understand how this concept works. Now, for some reason, I don't know why, I've looked a little bit around, I've, I still haven't found any reason why. The way it is in the al Rabbi Siddur is such that not only does the rabbi make it on everybody's behalf, but everybody makes it on everybody's behalf. And that's, if you open back your Siddur to page 327, you'll see that was the first paragraph that I skipped, that you declare that you hereby grant a share in this of to anyone who wishes to participate and depend on it. Right? Yeah. Now, how does that work? So you're supposed to give it to somebody else, to acquire it on behalf of other people. So, without getting into too much detail, because we're limited on time, and I want to have time to cover other things of Eretz But in, in briefly, there is a Choshen Mishpat principle. There is a legal principle in halacha that, and any any individual can serve as an agent to do a favor for somebody, even if that person did not point him as his agent. So, um, I'm going to call Ruven call Wasserman and say, nobody has appointed you as their agent, but I, you are going to um, uh, um, spontaneously assume the status as being the agent of all the other Jews in Chicago to acquire this piece of matzah and egg on their behalf, to acquire a share of of this piece of matzah and egg on their behalf. So I'm making the Erev, but before I make the Erev, I give it to you, representing the whole of the Jews of Chicago. Then you lift it up, and now by lifting it up, that's your act of acquisition. And then you give it back to me, and I make the Erev. And indeed, if you look in the Erev in the B'den Shara, um text, in the end of the, uh, the third paragraph, it says, and for all the Jews who dwell in this city. right mm-hmm. Now again, this is a, an idea which I have no idea why everybody is doing it. It's um, the halacha is that the god of the ear, again, Lucy will we'll translate that as the rabbi does it. For some and if you look, for example, in the article, the other Siddurim, you'll see it, it says, if the rabbi, if you're the rabbi, you add this, right? But most people don't do that part. Again, for some reason in the Chabad everybody does it. That's just what it what, what it means. Now ideally that saying the words or, or that. The whole, whole kingdom. The, ki, the whole kid. So you, 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 you do that? that? You don't do that. You no, don't, no, I
1: never seen I heard him right, say anything so like that. So you've handed somebody that's hand the body. somebody.
0: Right. So who's the somebody? So the chatchila, it's supposed to be somebody who's not samuchashulchaney, who's not your immediate dependent. So it's not supposed to be your wife or whatever it is. It should be somebody, somebody else. However, but the evidence it can be your wife or whatever it is, and that's why I think most people do that. You don't go and start calling a neighbor and they, yeah, your wife come or somebody or your or your adult child. Now the chatchila, it is supposed to be somebody else, and I personally do use somebody else. I'll always call call a neighbor, or whatever it is, and the reason I do that is because. I, for me, there is actually some likelihood that somebody might be in a situation where he comes to me, I forgot to make an Ev Shilin, and as we'll see soon, the various conditions are met, the criteria are met, um, I may tell him to rely on my Erev. And if he's relying on my Erev, I want to make sure it's done in the best possible way, so I will actually call out somebody who's not from my household, do you mind to come in for a moment and do this? But if everybody else is doing it, you're just doing it, The and it's unclear to me exactly why, and it's clear that your wife or your adult child is um, is good enough, it's not ideal, but it's good enough, and so that's the, that, that's the first line, that's how the Kenyan works. Now, however, and here's, here's why the ignorance is, if you're ignorant, and you don't know anything about Eif and and you don't know that really it's responsibility to do it yourself, no problem, you're lying on the rabbi, you're good to go. And in fact, later the altar ever says, um, it's not very PC, but he brings, that the custom is that the rabbi, he makes the of Tafshilid automatically for all the widows and ignoramuses in the city. So, <laughs> the, the, wigno- the widows and the ignoramuses... <laughs> They're doing well, they're well off. But now that you've come to today's class and you know that you have a responsibility to make an air now you're in trouble. Now you're igno- you're not ignorant, and therefore you're not bliss. And now, if you forget to make an air of not necessarily can you rely on the rabbi. You could only rely on the rabbi if it was a real, um, unless if, he slept, if, <laughs> if there were real pressing circumstances. Um, but if it was just, you, the Alter Rebbe says, it's either your laziness caused you f- to forget, or in general, you're just not so concerned, you, you don't have a strong concern for doing witches properly, and therefore it wasn't high on your priority list, um, so then you're not allowed to rely on the rabbi. Now, this is a little bit of a great, like, where do you draw the line? Like, I was, I was sincerely tied up with all the um, rush of Erev preparation, so how do you draw the line? There's actually, um, Rabbi Marlow was the Rav in Crown Heights, so there was one year in the 80s where Rosh Hashanah was an of Tavshin and Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah fell on Thursday, and as usual, the Rabbi held the Fabrengan on air the night before Rosh Hashanah, in connection with the birthday of the Tzamech Tzedek. Anyway, so there was one individual that year, who forgot to make an Eif Tav and he came, uh, came on Yom to Rabbi, Rabbi Marlow and he said, can I rely on your Eif Tav I forgot to make one. So Rabbi Marlow said absolutely not. You are at the Fabregnon and the Rebbe reminded everybody to make an Eif Tav If you forgot and you sort of procrastinated and delayed it, that's not called an, uh, a sort of, uh, this, that's called a negligence and if you're negligent you can't rely on the Rabbi's Eif Tav So that's a, an interesting You have to make Eif of someone in your property or on your but property. As in opposed to, yeah, or, or what's the other, I'm not sure, if I'm, or?
1: Or if you go across and you're making one with somebody else. No,
0: you make it from your own food in your own house, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but is
1: negligence, uh, that, is that
0: enough? You have, sure. no, 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 not
1: negligence. I'm saying if a person, really, if a person had no choice, like they, they forgot, whatever, that would be enough? Don't they have to also be ignorant?
0: No. So if a person forgot because he was torot, so then he can because re- he was preoccupied, then he that can rely on the rabbi. But if it was his lack of concern, again, it's like where do you draw the line? One of the clear drawn lines, which actually it's interesting, the al doesn't mention it here in of Chavzayin, but it's mentioned elsewhere in the Kuntzachin and that if you do twice in a row, if you forget twi- if you forget once, they're going to tell you, okay, you know, you were preoccupied, then da now. You, can't rely on the, you can not rely on the rabbis, after but if you get twice in a row, and, well, it's if you forget twice, now what does it mean if you forget twice? So some people will, there are some people I think who say twice, like if you ever rely on the rabbi, that's it, for the rest of your life. I, think, I don't think that's a normative approach. A normative approach is twice in a row, but twice in a row means two Friday yomim toivim in a row, so they could be a year and a half apart. Happens to be that now, we have two close by Eif because we had it on Pesach, we're having it again on Shavuos, and again in Tishra, you often have it three times, but you could just as well have a year and a half or more with no Eif as we had before this past Pesach. So, if you forget twice in a row, then the second time we say, you know what, how's it go? Yeah, fool me once, shame on me, fool me yeah, shame on me, fool me once, shame on, how's it go? Right, so twice in a row, you, 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 you can't rely on the rabbi Anymore.
1: Is it the man's obligation to make the Arab Tav
0: n- n- No, it's it's no. it's the obligation of the household. Usually in practice usually it's the man who does it because right. but whatever. The, well uh, that's why Almanos don't switch. know. About I mean, about it. I mean, what couldn't
1: be a woman one that one, uh, one
0: uh, I am not aware uh, of, of any specific
1: man another or what Oh, well, that, I mean,
0: yes, I don't know that that really makes any. I, I mean, in practice, I think usually the man does it. I don't know if there's any specific reason for that. It would be a little bit strange to me to have the wife do. Why the wife? You know, the husband's not. Gay. Obviously, if a woman is single, then she has to do it, um, uh, whether she's just single, single, or she's divorced, or widowed, whatever it is. Yes. I have a question.
1: Then, if no one would know about it, then it would be an issue. Exactly. Why I even have it? to begin with. Because mm. if they never even made it to begin with, then that would mean everyone...
0: Because even it? though ignorance is bliss, you. what's even more bliss is doing Hashem's mitzvahs. That's true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, um, let's move on. Um, what happens if we forget to eat? The no, there's no obligation to eat the Erev and it's, it's a custom to do something. There's, there's no mm, obligation okay, to eat it. Okay. Um, now, Okay, now I'm going to go through a few other things. Um, okay, what I would like to do now is go through some other practical halachas of Ev Tavshilin, not Al-Sedah Shulchan Aruch, not in the order that Al-Tereb brings it, and then if there's time, at the end, I'll talk a little bit about what to do in practice if you do not make it Shilin um etc., and also, of course, come back to our story, which we opened up with, of the person who was going to their mother in law for Yomtev and changed his mind. Yes. You want to ask? No, I Okay. Okay. Now, um, so an interesting Shaila, we, we mentioned that the mechanism of Tashilin is such that if you have a theoretical opportunity to eat it today, but so then it's then it's downgraded from a rabb- biblical to a rabbinic prohibition, and therefore the era of tafshilin kicks in and it becomes permissible. So what about, um, for example, in Israel, where if the last day, of, the seventh day of Pesach, which in Israel is the last day of Pesach, falls on Friday, so Shabbos. It's not Pesach anymore. In theory, you could have Chametz, but in practice, you can't have Chametz because where are you going to buy your Chametz from? Right? Mm-hmm. Lums, of course, you going to go Shabbos. So, what about kidneys? Are you allowed to cook kidneys on Friday? There's no, there's no prohibition to own kidneys on Pesach. So, are you allowed to buy rice before Pesach in Israel and cook it on Friday of, of Shishal Pesach? And then you get at least, even though you can't have Chametz on Shabbos, at least you'll be able to have kidneys. So, the question is. But nobody eats kidneys, so you're not allowed to eat kidneys on Pesach. So, is there a theoretical per- permissibility to eat it on the umps? If that's something that the posthum discussed, and. Oh, well, might show up. Oh, so, so Ari's pointing out <laughs> that what if there's the do doing kidneys? And what if you live in uh, Poland where there are no Svardim? So right, so okay. How theoretical does it have to be? So that's one shaila. Again, we're not going to get into it. I'm just pointing out the shaila. And a similar shaila is asked for, amongst Chassidim, What about cooking Gabroks? We eat Gabroks on the last day of Pesach. We don't eat Gabroks on the seventh day of Pesach. So can you cook? Because um, somebody who's not a chassid, heaven forbid, would might show up. So there is the theoretical. Uh, anyway, okay. Now let's talk a little bit. Okay, we we touched upon this before. I just want to clarify it. If somebody is not planning to do any preparations for Shabbos and Yom Tov, which but they need to make a can- they need to light candles, right? So that's already considered. There is some discussion about whether or not you can make an erev um just for lighting candles, or, or, or with a bracha or not. And so if some if some if all a person is planning to do is lighting candles. In practice, what I would say is, ideally, change your mind and make sure that you are going to do something that actually requires an Erev Tavshilin, and then say an Erev Tavshilin with a bracha. Uh, otherwise, I would say, okay, say an Erev Tavshilin without the bracha, which, like I said, you don't say the bracha, but obviously you do say the B'den Hishara declaration. Now here...
1: How does an Erev help for lighting candles? I mean, the you don't have any use for it, on, on I'm
0: Oh. Moira de Kikasha, the Marinelli, the whole purpose of Erev the whole mechanism of Erev is that you have already a theoretical possibility of using it on Yom candles. You don't need the candles until it's nighttime. What what benefit are you having from the candles during the daytime? Now. Once upon a time where they didn't have electric lights... Uh, let's, let's backtrack a second. Let's backtrack a second. Forget about Yom forget about Edith of Shilin. On a regular Friday night, what are you doing lighting candles for? You have electric lights. And the whole mitzvah of candle lighting seems to be obsolete. So why do we still do the candle lighting? So, that's a big topic, but the bottom line is, and this is a little bit based... Um, Nalt no, Rebbe mentions this in Siman Neish Samech Gimel, section 263, number four, 14 that in addition to regular lights, whatever lighting you have, when you have extra candles at your, on your dinner table, or I think even if it's the same room, like some people light the candles on the stand next to the dinner table, that enhances your, your, your Suda. It's actually interesting, a few weeks ago we had a, a, a number of people over for Shabbos who we were lighting candles in my house, and when I came into the room on Friday night, and Baruch Hashem, we have enough, LED bulbs with plenty of brightness, and like it's not—it's not dark in the room by any measure. But I walked into the room, and like uh, in a second, it like struck me. Like I was surprised at myself that I actually noticed that the fact that there was an ex- instead of whatever candles, the number of candles my wife lights, there was an extra five or ten candles over there. I like I noticed it. So, so there is. So, so, so what we're saying is that that extra little bit of light, even though it's not really significant in its own right, but it is significant in terms of if it's in the location where you're having your meal. Now, now, by the way, this actually has a relevance to, to, to Yom Kippur because if you're lighting candles on Yom Kippur, so obviously you're not eating by the candles. So, so now it's not good enough that it's just an extra little bit of light. Has to be has to has to be significant light. So what are you lighting candles for on Yom Kippur? So two the two best dates on Yom Kippur are either taka to leave the light off or at least dimmed in the room where you're lighting the candles. And so the candles actually have a practical difference. An alternative thing is, and this is especially useful for married people because if you're married on Yom Kippur, you have to have a light on in your bedroom. So you could kill two birds with one stone, and instead of lighting your Yom Kippur candles. Where in your usual candle lighting spot, you could light them in the bedroom, and then if they're candles that last mm-hmm. enough time to last through at least the beginning of the night or whatever it is, so then so then you have your light in the room as well. Um, that's that's another You have option. to
1: have a light in your bedroom?
0: Yes. On Yim Kippur, you have to have some sort of, it doesn't have to be bright light, but there has to be some light um, in the bedroom on Yim Kippur night if you are married. Now... Um,
1: that means
0: you have to create the light? Yes, so that the, the reason is because it should... Re- light the, the light, No, no. you're supposed to have a light. Then the, re- the reason is because it's going to serve as a reminder um, so that the husband and wife don't have relations. Right. Which is, of course, forbidden in your Okay, now... Um, okay, now, let's go back to... yeah. Well, it's based on the fact... It's based on the fact that when a husband and wife are intimate, it's supposed to be completely dark. Now, in practice, exactly how to implement that and how 100% dark it has to be is certainly beyond the scope of today's class. But the idea is that if you have a light in your room, that you perhaps, if you have a light that you usually don't have there, or whatever it is, a lamp, you know, so. some people like to designate a candle there. Okay, let's, let's not get too central. Now, so... Now, so when you're lighting a candle on Yom for Shabbos, so back in the day before you had electric lights, when are you lighting the candle? You're lighting a candle, it's already starting to get dark perhaps, and so it's already, you have maybe a little bit of light coming in from the window, but your candle is going to add some quality of some quantity of light, it's going to make a difference. But nowadays, it becomes very difficult to understand. What is, you, you need to have at least a theoretical benefit from these candles on Tov. What benefit can you have? I didn't see this discussed so much. A little bit it's discussed in a, a little bit, perhaps you could say a simple balbatashe tarots, that you could always, if you have a room in your house where the light is off, so you could always say, oh, whoops, I need to go and get something from my garage, and now you could carry the candle with you, and go and check your garage and you'll have light over there, okay, whatever the case is. However, this leads into a much more fundamental issue, which is very practically relevant, and that is that as we mentioned at the outset, of um, tafshilin only helps for food-related preparation right? So if you're eating your Friday night meal at home, so you're lighting your candles, and they're going to be enhancing your Shabbos meal. But if you're eating out on Friday night, how can you light candles at home? It's not food-related preparation. And again, here, according to those Puskin who don't follow the Rebbe, there may be numerous ways to um, justify this. Some some Puskim hold that you don't need an air at all for candle lighting, and that, by the way, may also be based on the difference between the two reasons, Rava and Rabashi. because if you hold, the reason is um, that you should remember Okay, I, I, I saw some Akronim want to say that it depends on Rabbi, and we won't, won't get into it exactly right now. But the bottom line is that according to Al-Tarabba, certainly you have a problem. If you're eating out Friday night, so what are you going to do? You're going to go to your host's house an hour and a half before the meal and light your candle over there? They don't want you there hanging out for an hour and a half. Um, you're going to light candles at home, you're not eating mm-hmm. at home. So Lakhoira, the best option is to eat at home. In other words, either to light candles and then make Kiddush and eat something by your own candle and then make a bracha HaKronim and go to your host. Or light candles are going to last many hours, so that when you come home from your host, you can eat your, you can have a sit down and have a little bite by the candles. Again, these are a little bit strange ideas, somewhat. And uh, you know, if somebody doesn't do that, would I say that no, they're not allowed to light candles? I don't think so. But this remains a little bit of a um, difficulty about what to do with lighting candles for somebody who's not planning um, to eat at home on Friday night. Okay, so now let's go back to where we started out from. So we have the Shiloh, the person was going to his mother-in-law ah, ah, one second, before this. We mentioned already that every household needs to have an air of Now this is often people think something that people overlook, and that is People, for example, people who are single, and they may live on their own, but they're used to eating out Shabbos or yom meals, so it may not even occur to them, but no, you have your own obligation to make an Eretz Tafshilin. You're your own household. Now, one of the areas where this gets very often overlooked, and i was been looking into this a little bit, is um, is Yeshiva Bacharim. Now, different Yeshivas have different setups, but often, whoever the cook is in the Yeshiva might not even be stepping foot into Yeshiva and Tov. He prepares all the food beforehand, and whoever is in the yeshiva might have the job of putting the chalent on the fire or not, but certainly you often have the bachrim doing some type of preparation, and even if they're not cooking, they might be doing other types of preparation from, from Yom tov to Shabbos, and as we said before, even if they're not doing anything for Shabbos, the yeshiva Bakram are their own household, you know, they're not the members of the household of their parents mm-hmm. who live thousands or hundreds of miles away, they're the yeshiva dormitory, that is a household, so how do they have a near Tif shimon? So Maybe the, I mean, I saw, I saw talking in some Akhredin, the point out that yes, indeed it is the responsibility of some of the Bachrim or the Manal of the Yeshiva to explicitly um, make an air of for the Yeshiva Bachrim themselves. Um, alternatively, you could say that, as ironic as this might might sound, that Yeshiva bachim are the ultimate ignoramuses, mm-hmm. and in, the, in that it doesn't even occur to Yeshiva bachim, that yeah, Yiftach Shilin, like that's for married people, like which Yeshiva bachim ever thought about making Yiftach Shilin, and so that because they're so ignorant, so therefore they are have the ignorance bliss of relying on the rabbis Yiftach Shilin. Okay, I'm not going to get too okay, sidetracked. Custom
1: to being taken care of.
0: Exactly, exactly, <laughs> and so and so. Um, and so that... Rem- okay, we're not going to get too, mu- too much into that, but it is important for each individual to make the inner of Shilin. Now, an exception is, if you're, tr- if you're going away for Yom Tev, if you're going to your children for Yom or your children are coming to you for Yom Tev, so they're, they're not guests... They're, they become members of your household for the duration of the tef, and therefore they're included in your Eif and although some people say that even then you, shouldn't, you should actually explicitly include them, and like you do, you should give them, as you have your adult child coming to you for Eif so in addition to giving it to him as an agent of all the other people in the city, if that's your custom, whatever the case is, explicitly give your child to make a Kenyan and you're, you're being his shliach, to make an shilin for him as well, um, that, that that some Muslims can say that's even better, because, okay, for various reasons. Now, let's go back to where we started out from. So from this person said he was going to his mother-in-law for yom then he changed his mind. So here there's a few problems. First of all, the fact that he didn't make an nerf tef shilin was a mistake, because even if he had kept to his plans, and taka et, e- being eaten all the meals at his mother-in-law's home. He wasn't Samukhal Shulchan, no. He was living in his own house. He had his own kitchen. He wakes up in the morning and has his own <laughs> coffee and, 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 and cake in his own kitchen and, and, and his own home. And and as you see, he when he changed his mind, he didn't take food from his mother-in-law necessarily. Um, maybe he took some food from there, but he came home and he made the Shabbos, right? So, he didn't... He was... He was, quote-unquote, he was wrong for not making an of shilin just because he was going to his mother-in-law. And here, there comes the difference of whether or not you're a Tamim Chachem. And the al spells this out, that if you, if you, if you're capable of learning halachi yourself, so that you should have known better. If So then you can't rely on the rabbi, because that's considered negligence, that so you didn't learn better. If you're if you're if if you're more of a sort of simpleton and you you know you just do what you're told you don't think about it whatever so then we will say okay you could rely on the rabbi so here it's a little bit of a gray area on the one hand he should have known better on the other hand because he's on the other hand maybe he said I wasn't planning to do anything so I didn't need an eret Shilim, but then we say that even then we really pass and you should make an eret tashlilim at least without a bracha so that's a little bit of a gray area of could he was he was it was he okay was it okay for him not to have made an If Tashilin and can he rely on the Rabbi, whatever it is. Now then there's another Swara, another point, and th- that is um, he changed his mind. Let us say he didn't need to make an Eftashilin beforehand because he was cause he wasn't planning to do anything. Now he changed his mind. So there is an argument to say, and some acharindim say this, that, that why did you change your mind? If you change your mind because an unforeseeable circumstance came up and now you're sort of stuck in this situation where you have to go home for Shabbos, so now you're an onus because you're stuck without the of shilin, and so um, you can rely on the rabbi. But if you just, whatever, yeah, you know what, I'm not in the mood anymore, I just prefer to go home, I need some peace and quiet. So now, so, so you're sort of, actively putting yourself in a situation with no air of Shilin. So that's like, imagine a guy says, oh, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat my Erev of Shilin now. Well, if you eat Erev Tav Shilin and the Erev of Shilin is no, longer, is no longer, then you can't cook. You can only cook or bake for Yom Tif for Shabbos, as long as the Erev of Shilin is in existence. Which, by the way, that's important. If you're making an egg or whatever it is for Erev of Shilin and you put it in the fridge, make sure you mark it clearly, Erev of Shilin, so nobody, by mistake, eats it for breakfast. Um, so, anyway, I'm not going to pass definitively on that, on that particular case, um, what, w- um, what, whether or not he could have relied on the rabbi. Now, um, should finish off very, very sir, and that is in practice. What if somebody actually doesn't have an eretz Tafshilin and he can't rely on the rabbi either because he wasn't, he was negligent, or he's uh, shliach and you and there is no other rabbi in the city making an eretz Tafshilin So, essentially, the bottom line is, um, again, hopefully this shouldn't be relevant in practice, and if it is, you'll come and discuss it. But the, the, the bottom line is that if somebody himself... Th- in order for, to be allowed to cook an Neve Shilin, you need two things. First of all, you need to, that you yourself or your household has made an Neve Shilin and, and that the food that you're cooking or the candle that you're lighting, whatever it is, belongs to a person who has made an Neve Shilin. And so if somebody doesn't make an Neve what they need to do is they need to co- get over a friend to come to their house who has made an Neve Shilin. And then they say, all of this, this chicken that I'm about to put in the oven here it's yours and he makes a kinyan and it belong an acquisition and it belongs to that person. And now you and then he sticks it in the oven for you. So both the person who is actually doing the cooking and the person to whom the food belongs has made the name of tafshilin. And that would be sort of the way to go about it, which is, of course, very inconvenient but usually doable. The one exception is candle lighting, and that Chazal say that if you didn't, if you didn't make an Eftashir, then you're allowed to prepare the bare minimum food that you need to survive, so to speak, on Sha'an Yamtif, which in today's society is probably nothing because most people have in their fridge something that they're not going to starve. And also, you're allowed to light one candle, um, which again is questionable whether they had to light one candle applies nowadays that we don't actually really, quote unquote, need the candle, um, and so the bottom line is that um, now that nobody over here is ignorant anymore, so everybody should remember um, to make an Erev Tavshilin and an Erev Yom and even if you're not planning, even if you're living alone and you're in your own household by yourself, so you should, and you're planning to eat out the meal, still you should make an Erev Tavshilin at the very least without a bracha, or if possible, with a bracha, and make sure to do something on behalf of Yom to Shabbos. and, but if you are a member of somebody else's household, like Amitai, so you're, in, you're living in that house, and you your meals are, you're, you're part of that household, so you don't need to make your own Eritav Shilin, because you're included in the Eritav Shilin of the household. Any questions before we close?
1: What happens if you're by yourself, but you not get anyone else to come over? Can you make an error? By
0: yourself. Yeah, so then you just skip the part. Right, if you, you, you skip, I mean, you skip the part of the first thing that I, I hear by Grant and yeah. everything, and also in the in the Hishara okay. text, you would skip the last few words, which that's means that's unto all the Jews choice. in this city. Yeah, but even if you can't get somebody else to come come over, you could do it with your wife or with your adult child. Well, I'm saying. Yeah, but yourself. if your mom is then yeah, economy, you don't need to, There's no, certainly no obligation to do that part. Any other questions?
1: The, the Shulchan brings down uh, two different opinions about about, uh, about, about uh, Chavis candles without an Arab Shilin. Yes, um, he doesn't seem to imply that you need uh, you should only do one. He just says he just says he, he says it's
0: according to the Shita that it's mutter, then you don't need an air Shilin at all. Um, certainly, if I understand correctly, the Ashkenazi Pesachim Paschim that you do certainly alterabba um is says that you do need an Arab Shilin. I don't remember offhand. Uh, where the Mishnah falls exactly in this, I think he also he probably says you know without he the. Says one, he, said, he said. No, the Al Rebbe also brings the din that if you have no Shilin you could light one without a, without a Shilin that, That's the All agree. The question is, does that is that true nowadays where we have electric lights? Is the reason they allowed you to have one candle is because that's considered a bare minimum necessity? Right. The question is, does that bare minimum necessity argument still still ca- hold water nowadays that we have electricity? We so have electric lights. Yeah
1: question so so potentially
0: today you again you always have the other eight so you have the H of calling over somebody else and giving them the candle to belong to them and then they could light it for you right mr. Brewer gives that
1: advice as it's a second talk, right? yeah, he, bring, be, yeah. Yeah, he brings down one is just light one and the other is yeah, yeah, yeah. he says Machne to your neighbor
0: yeah and then the, but the neighbor has to light it he, I,
1: I don't think he spells that out but I guess maybe yeah. that's my implication that's what he's saying yeah, yeah.